ahead and grab your notebooks and Bibles. Uh, if you're new to Victory, we like to take notes. I encourage everyone to take notes because it's our prayer that as we study God's word together, that it would speak something to you. You jot that down and then reference it later in your spiritual journey. Things from his word that God would speak to you. If you like, you can have the fill in the blank version of that in the Victory Church app. That's in any iOS or Android, whatever your app store is. You can download the Victory Church app. has all the verses we're going to cover today uh, and then fill in the blank of the notes and the message, and you can reference that, save it to your phone, or email it to yourself for reference later throughout the week, but we'd love to have you do that. I've said this every week in August, this is the last time that I'm going to say it, All right, but I believe that it's true, and that is that 2019 can still be the best year of your life, if it's the best year of your life spiritually. I believe that with everything inside of me, that everything else in your life stems from that. Everything else that you want to happen in your life flows from that relationship with God. And so if it can be the best year of your life spiritually, if you take these next few months before the year ends and you don't just kind of write them off because we just got the momentum and we're just going to hit there. If you really take them and you make this the best year of your life spiritually, it will be the best year of your life. It will flow in every other part of your life. And we're praying that God would help you to take root. That's our series during the month of August. So we've done this whole journey through the month of August on how we can take root in our relationship in the presence of God. And so our theme verse out of Psalms 92, verse 12 and 13, should know it by heart by now. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. The word flourish there in the Hebrew means to break forth as a bud, to blossom or to fly. And that's our prayer for you during this season that you would begin just to break forth, that the things that have been on your prayer list for so many years would actually start to happen in your life. You you would start to see the breakthrough of God's presence in your life. You begin to see this season, just in this season, that we begin to pray and see God begin to move. And so in order for that to happen, we have to get our relationship with God right first. And so that's been the journey as we worked our way through these verses. That's been the journey that we're on is to get our relationship right with God. And so the first three messages, you can watch them online uh, just to kind of recap uh, the different messages. Well, we talked about first, the first week, about the presence of God. How if we're going to get our roots down deep, we have to focus on the presence of God. And then it flows into all the other areas of our life. Then the second week talked about the process. The process we have to walk through to see the promises of God happen in our lives. Because God has us on a process. And then last week we talked about the perspective we need to have all throughout that process that God is leading us through. But we have to have the right perspective about the things that are happening. And so today we get to focus on this phrase, planted in the house of the Lord, they'll flourish in the courts of our God. Planted in the house of the Lord. Because I believe that this is the place where all these other things take place. It's a place where we experience the presence of God. We get our perspective adjusted. We, we notice the process or we endure the process of the promise that God has for us. I believe that it's in spiritual community. That it's together in spiritual community. Now, in the Old Testament, they would have sung this psalm on the Sabbath day. Because David's son, David the writer of the psalm, his son Solomon built the temple. And so when the Jews would sing this song on the Sabbath day, they would be referencing the physical temple. They would be referencing the physical house of God. The one place on the planet where God's presence was. Where God's presence dwelt. In fact, they would travel from all over to Jerusalem where the temple was and they would travel through pilgrimages three times a year and join with other Hebrews, other Israelites, other believers at the temple at the presence of God because that was the only place where it was. Thankfully, when Jesus came in the New Testament, he changed the game. He changed how it works and where the presence of God resides. Check it out in 1 Timothy. It says, I'm writing these things to you, Paul's writing, so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. That phrase that David just used, Paul is using the same phrase, but now it's not a physical facility. He's saying it's not a physical facility, it's the church of the living God. 
It's not this temple in Jerusalem. That's the only place that God's presence dwells. He says the church of the living God. We saw in week one that the Greek word for church there is ecclesia. It means a gathering or a community or a congregation. So jot it down this way if you're taking notes. I want you to get this kind of shift in your thinking. And that is church is not a physical facility where we attend. It's a spiritual community to whom we belong. And I need you to make that shift because this is the shift that the church had to make in the New Testament. I need you to make that in your mind as we address the church this morning, because we're going to talk about it quite a bit. As we address it, you need to get in your minds. It's not a physical facility where we attend. It's a spiritual community to whom we belong. We're called to be a community, a gathering of citizens of heaven. That's what the church is. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says it this way. All of you together are one body of Christ. And each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Come on, let's say that together. Separate and necessary part of it. Come on, read like you can read. Here we go. A separate and necessary part of it. So a couple of things I want you to see here. The first one is that you are separate. Like you're an individual. You're separate. Like you don't become part of the body of Christ just because you have a relative who was saved one time 50 years ago. Or you have, you know, you, you just have a praying grandmother or you have a wife who attends. No, you're a separate part. You're an individual before God. And every one of us is a unique individual that God has created on purpose for a purpose. God has a purpose for you individually, not for all this thing. God has a purpose for groups of believers together. God has a purpose for all these different things. But you have to understand that in the body of Christ, you are an individual, that you rise and fall before your master. You are, you work out your own salvation. You have that before God. And the second part I need you to understand is that you are a necessary part of it. A lot of times we get into church and culture and we feel like, well, I'm just my giftings aren't necessary. My I'm just going to kind of attend and just kind of just kind of flow along. But I'm not really needed. And that's not true. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says you're a separate and necessary part of the body of Christ. I want you to know that there is a difference also between what the Bible calls the big C capital C church, which is the global church. Because the big C, capital C church, the global church means that every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every type of person, everything will bow before Jesus and we'll all be joining together in heaven as one church. That's the global church. That we'll all be, be worshiping him for all of eternity in heaven. That's the global church. But then the Bible very clearly in the New Testament, both in the book of Revelation and in Paul's writing, it lays out this local expression of the church. And it calls, so the big C church, the global church, you're automatically a part of that when you give your heart to Christ. You're automatically a part of that one. You're going to heaven. But then there's some responsibility that you and I carry in regards to the local church where God connects us. Big C church means you're on your way to heaven. But you want to make a spiritual difference in your community in the place where God has planted you. You do it as a part of a local group of believers. And so I want to talk to you today about the local church, this individual expression that Paul is talking about here. And help you see that you are a separate and necessary part of it. That you are a necessary part. In fact, jot this down if you're taking notes today. We is better than me. And so I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to reference this a little bit today. But I just wanted you to get it down and get it inside of you. That we is always better than me. You've got to understand that in your Christian journey, you have gifts and you have talents and you have things that God has given you to change the world around you. God has gifted you. God has a purpose for you. He has things for you to change the world and the lives around you. But in order to do it significantly, you join with other believers in the church that God has created. In the church of Christ. In fact, there's a great illustration of this in nature between the coral polyp and the jellyfish. By the way, we're talking about roots. We talked about trees. And so I thought we'd just kind of branch out a little bit and talk about all of the animal kingdom. But the coral polyp and the jellyfish, they actually start life very similar. 
There's very little difference. They're actually close inside of the animal kingdom. And most of us are familiar with the jellyfish. It's this beautiful, flowy kind of animal. It's actually not a fish, right? The palm tree is not a tree. The jellyfish is not a fish. I'm just breaking down all the barriers, all right, in this list, this series. But it's not really a fish, but it's an impressive kind of animal. It kind of floats throughout the current. It's this beautiful, long strand, the ones that you guys are familiar with, right? It's this beautiful thing. But unfortunately, anytime you get close to the jellyfish, it will sting the fire out of you. If you cross it anywhere in the ocean, because it's just kind of floating along, right? And the large ones, the ones that we usually associate with the name jellyfish, they actually never form any kind of communities. They don't join with other jellyfish. They just kind of float along on their own, and they sting everything that comes along in the current, anything that comes along them. And I know this all too well that they sting, because in college, during our vacations, a group of guys and I that I lived with, we would take any opportunity we got and figure out any way we could to get to the ocean. Like, it didn't matter what we had to do. When we had a break, even if it was like a one-day break, we tried to make it to the ocean. And so, we, it didn't matter. We, we needed to have a sunburn and our feet in the sand and living in the back of a car in the parking lot at Walmart at Panama City, all right? It just, if those things didn't happen, it wasn't a real vacation. It just wasn't a real thing. But one year, we saved up. We sold some plasma. Come on, somebody. And we went on a cruise together, all right? It was a big moment for us. It was a really big, big moment for us. I don't know. We can't talk about that in church. All right. So, we just, it was a big moment. We went on a cruise all together. And we got into this port in Mexico. And we were trying to make the most of this because it's the one time that we can afford to go on a cruise. And so, we are making the most. We're going to do everything we can at every port. And so in the city of Mexico, we asked some of the locals to show us a beach that wasn't crowded. Right. We wanted to get away from all the tourist crowds and get away where it was secluded. And so they took us to this beach that was kind of like hemmed in by rock outcroppings. And it was completely open. And I tell you guys, it was incredible. The waves on this beach would hit the shore like four or five feet tall. And so it was like this wave of water, this wall that just hit the shore right at the same height as us. So it was incredible. So we're running down there. We're all excited. And there's this sign right in the middle of the beach. I don't know. Signs in the beach are just a kryptonite for me. I just kind of seem to run across them. But it was this handmade sign on a piece of wood. And at the top, it had this picture that looked like a jellyfish with this big red circle and a line through it. And then underneath it, it said water leech. And so I'm looking at this sign and thinking, we came all this way. We can't even get in the water. And so... We just we just decided and we're all trying to dare each other to get in the water now. Right. You're just going to who's going to be the first one to hit that wall of water. Aren't you? How many pray prayers that you're glad you survived yourself? Anybody? Anybody ever glad? Just thank God you survived yourself because we're, we're about all 10 of us take off running at the same time. All right. And I would just like you to know I stopped at the sun and I just lifted up a prayer. Dear Lord, as we enter the water today, please protect our bodies. Do not let us get stung by jellyfish. I just lifted up that. I feel I have this imagination. Anybody ever pray prayers like that? Like you just pray prayers like God. I have this imagination. God is looking down like you idiot. The answer to your prayer is the sign. Like, like read it. Right. Like you just read. the. You moron. Don't get in the water. All right. Because just. Well, we're not in there 20 seconds before the first guy starts screaming. Right. He just starts, starts screaming. And we're all thrashing around now. I guess waking up every other jellyfish in the region and everyone else starts screaming and we get it. It was a good vacation. Everybody It was a really good because I didn't get stung. Come on, somebody. I didn't. They should have prayed with me back at the sun. They just we but we all know the jellyfish. We know what the jellyfish is capable of. The coral polyp coral polyp on the other side begins life exactly like the jellyfish kind of floating along for a season but then very early in its development the coral polyp develops and it joins with other coral polyps and they develop into the exoskeleton or the skeleton of the coral reef they join together and then they develop the coral reef and the coral reef is this amazing structure that while it only covers less than a percent of the ocean floor it's home to over a quarter of all marine life And so it's this incredible structure that gives life to so many other places on the planet. And it's one of the most diverse ecosystems, second only to the rainforest. This this life-giving organism, because the coral polyp joins with all the other polyps, and they develop this structure. 
this life-giving structure. And I wonder for how many of us, the path of our lives as Christians follow one of those two things. The path of our lives as Christians, because we all begin the same way trusting in Christ, and yet some of us make a decision early on that I'm not going to join to anybody, and I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to float through life, and I'm going to look really majestic, and I'm going to seem really spiritual, but if you ever get close to me, I'm going to sting the fire out of you, and I'm going to let you know exactly where it is that you stand, and exactly what's wrong with your life, and exactly everything else about you, but I'm never going to join together. And yet others of us understand that when we get together in the body of Christ, when we join together with others, other believers... We become a part of something that's so much bigger than us that gives life to so many other areas. When we join together, that God has called me to be what I am supposed to be, but in community, and everyone else is allowed to be what they're supposed to be in community, in the church of the living God, and it becomes something bigger than us. becomes something that begins to develop other people and give life to so many areas. See, I believe that's what God has called us to as the body of Christ. It's what he's called us to do. So I want to talk with you today about what a great local church looks like about what a group of believers is supposed to look like. And I'm praying that not only will it help you cement or not only will it help you make decisions about a church that you're supposed to be a part of, whether it's this church or another one, but begin to evaluate and it will challenge your spiritual experience, your spiritual journey. It'll challenge where you are on it and what you're expecting of it. So let me give you five questions to ask yourself to kind of evaluate that, if you will. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. And Paul's writing here about a beautiful picture in these verses of what a healthy local church is supposed to look like. What a body of believers are supposed to look like. He said, instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So first of all, let's go back to verse 15. I want to focus on this phrase as we begin. The growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Growing more and more like Christ. The first thing that would need to happen if you're in a good local church, if Jesus is the head of his body, if Christ is the head of the church, and the church is the body of Christ, and the first thing that would have to happen, the first question you would have to ask yourself if you're a part of a group of local believers, is if this is his house, if this is his church, then am I experiencing Jesus? If Jesus is the head of his body, like when we gather together, when I go to small groups, when I serve, when I get together in all these different expressions of the local church, am I experiencing Jesus? Because we're not a bunch of weird, you know, relatives who just break into each other's homes when they're not there. That's not what Christianity is. Come on, somebody. This is the house of the living God and he's home, everybody. And so when we arrive and when we come together in this church, God's presence is the midst of it. And if we don't experience the presence of Christ, if we don't have that experience when we come together as a community of believers, then something's wrong. If you're not experiencing Christ, so we're not experiencing, and I want you to know every spiritual experience that we have, everything that you experience in the spiritual realm is one of two ways. It's either life giving or it's life taking. Every time that you have a spiritual experience, it's life giving when the presence of God is there. Because you read it in the New Testament that people who come across Jesus, anybody who crosses his path, they leave his presence better than how they entered it. They leave his presence better on the other side. And when they encountered religion, they left with their life worse. When they were encountered, when they would encounter Jesus, like they would be healed and they would be delivered and they would be set free and chains would be broken off of them and they would be encouraged. And Jesus would tell them, go and sin no more. I'm for you, not against you. They would be they would leave his presence better than how they came. And most of us have experienced that, at least here at Victory. We've experienced that presence. But a lot of us also in our spiritual journey, somewhere along the way, we've experienced the flip side, the life taking experience. where We've been in a religious kind of a life taking experience. We're well-intentioned Christians. God bless them. They're not trying to hurt anybody, but they just don't see the church through the same lens. 
They don't see their lives as Christians through the same lens or even even church. So on Sunday, they may be talking to people, but they're kind of in their own little clique, right? Their own little thing. And they don't even see the guest that walks in the door or, or they might be talking and they don't even see or if they do see the guest, it's this response of, you know, you know what time it is, right? You know, you just you know, we have four songs here. We have four songs that we sing. So what are you showing up? Right? Some of you are like, there's four songs. I only knew there was that one song, you know, that's that's funny. All right. So there's four. First three are pretty good. You should check it out. But that's not the point. The point is that they don't even see or they are. They're saying you're just, you know, you're just, or if they do, they're saying, well, you know, did you really have to get another tattoo? Is that really, you know, I just I just don't think that that's a Christian. Do you obsessive compulsive? You got to have so many. Did you really have to pierce that? Because that makes me uncomfortable. You really just and Christians. Christians don't look like that. Come on, somebody. It's quiet in this church. You're, you're difficult. And Christian and you smell you smell like sin. You just smell like sin from the weekend. I just I just wanted to tell you, you just smell like you smell like a sinner. I just want to know. I just want you. You want to meet Jesus? And you're thinking, I don't know. I don't know what you want to go to heaven. And you're thinking, are you going to be there? Are you? <laughs> you just come on. It's life taking. That kind of spiritual experience doesn't help anybody. And people, you leave that service thinking, man, I'm never. I've got so many problems. I'm never going to be perfect like those people. I don't know what's wrong. That's life taking. That's not what God called the local church to be about. It should be a breath of fresh air. The church should be encouraging. You should be encouraged when you come. When you join in a community of believers, you should be encouraged that, hey, look, you can get back up. Hey, look, you can do better this week. Hey, look, Jesus loves you. The power of God drives you. The power of God can carry you. You should feel encouraged. That's what the church should be like. Am I experiencing Jesus? All right, verse 16, it goes on to say, in the next part, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. I love that phrase because you need to know that you would fit into the house of God where you're planted. You would fit in perfectly. So number two, the question that we're asking is, am I connecting with people? Am I experiencing Jesus? But then am I connecting with people? If I'm going to fit in perfectly, am I connecting? Let me make it just kind of clear that you can attend victory for several months on the weekend, even years even, and never make friendships on a Sunday morning. And that's by design. Because when we end this, it's like a mad dash for the exit on Sunday because people are going to beat the Baptist to Piccadilly. Come on, somebody. We're going to. It's not that we don't love you. It's just people are hungry and we're getting out of here to get on the way to do it. It's by design because what we do on the weekend is you come in and get a spiritual boost. This should be a training ground, get a spiritual boost and you can bring your friends to meet Jesus. And that's all we do on the weekends. But you do still need community. You do still need friends. You need people around you. And just because the church is big and has lots of different programs and lots of different things, and lots of people doesn't give you any excuse to live in isolation. Just because it can't happen on a Sunday morning. So we have to grow larger because heaven and hell are reality. We have to grow larger because they are a reality. We have to bring in souls. We have to grow smaller because you need somebody around you that will begin to speak into your life. You need people around you in community. You need somebody who knows your first name. It's got to have that community in our church. And I love this thought that the body fits together perfectly. It fits together perfectly. So listen to me, church. In a church this size, you have to love everybody, but you don't have to like everybody. Come on, I'm going to set some of you free this morning, all right? You can. You have to love everybody. There's a lot of people that go to church here from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, all different denominations, all different places they come from, all different things. They all go to church here. But just because they worship here doesn't mean you have to hang out after service together. Come on, somebody. It's going to be a good day today. I mean, there are people that embrace all kinds of things here at Victory. We have Alabama fans who go to church here. Come on, somebody. Now, we are praying that God will free them from their delusions and we are praying that God will speak a word into their life. But they they are more. Everybody is welcome at church here. You don't have to like everybody, but you do have to love everybody. And they're all welcome, no matter how deceived they may be. Come on. Everybody can come to church. The way that we do life together here at Victory is we do it in small groups. 
the way that we do life together. And uh, the fall semester is starting this week. You can join up and then we'll start it on the first week in September. We'd love to have you join a small group. You can check online for the, the group, the market. Pick the one that you like. There's more than 30 of them to choose from. We'd love to have you join us in small groups because that's the place where you find community. That's the place where you find that the person who knows your first name, who begins to pour into you, make friendships. And we do them in this thing we call free market. It means that we join for all different reasons. The reason that we join is not important. It's that we join, that we're together in a small group. And why do we do it like that? Because the body fits together perfectly. If I just assigned you a small group, chances are you wouldn't fit in there perfectly. But if you choose one, then you'll find one that's in the same stage of life that you're in or facing the same problems that you're facing or a group of people that are walking through the same things that you're walking through and you begin to fit perfectly in that group. Got to get you to see that. Am I connecting with people? And so you go through the directory and or you go through the sheet of paper we give you next week and you begin to write and you say, okay, I want to fit into this one. You begin to mark down, okay, I'm going to try out this small group and then you find community. It's what I want for your life so badly. I want this for you. And chances are, though, if you've never done it before or never joined a small group, chances are you're probably thinking, okay, I've been hurt before by relationships. Or I've tried this kind of thing before somewhere else. Or I've done this before and and I don't really, I'm kind of, and you're running all the scenarios in your mind. I know that you do it. It's not like we're just pretending that you don't do it. We know you run every scenario in your mind. You're thinking, man, i got to go to somebody's house. Like, are you kidding me? I have to go to somebody's physical home and i got to walk through it. Like, it gives me anxiety just talking about it. Like, i got to go in their house. And then once I'm in the door, I'm stuck, right? You know what I'm talking about whenever you go to the you Once I'm inside, you can't be like, whoops, sorry, wrong house. i got to, you know, I've, I've got something burning in the oven. i got to go. You can't. Once you're in there, you're stuck. And then you're thinking, well, what if the house smells like cats? Which is a valid concern, all right, everybody? You just, <laughs> you just I don't know. What if, what if it, then what if we get in a circle and that small group leader says, well, we just we go really deep in our relationships in this small group. So we're just going to go in a circle and confess our deepest sins. We're just going to do that just to start. You're thinking this, right? You're thinking this is what. And you, you're thinking, well, I, I, I'm never, I never do that. But I'm feeling kind of vulnerable because my boss yelled at me today and my, I got in a fight with my spouse. And so, okay, okay. Pastor Ben said to trust these people, so I'll just, I'll just do it. And then you feel bad because you just threw up all over these people. You just, right? You just think, and you're thinking the next day at work, you're going to get a call from a block number. It'll be Pastor Ben. Hello. Thank you for coming to small groups, but woo, you're messed up. I, when I talk about people with sin, I'm not talking about that. All right. I'm just, I just, you know, we, you, we are just going to pray for you from a distance because, you know, we just, we can't worship with people like that. In our church, we just can't possibly, it possibly have. And I just, if I can just set your mind at ease, you're running through all these scenarios, that would never happen in this church. We are a church full of integrity and we would never approve a small group leader who had cats. <laughs> Come on, so. <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's funny. <laughs> if you have an email about that, send it to all dogs go to heaven at victoryharvest.org, all right? If you, you would like to speak to me about it. No, the truth is we have cat lovers that get together. They can form their persecuted victory cat lovers small group. And we have all different groups that meet together. You've got to find a place that you connect, a place that you do life with other people. It's your chance to experience. It's important. And why is it important? It's because we have, sadly, a lot of families and individuals in our church who are walking through times of crisis. We have people who are walking through and the people rallying around them, the people caring for them, bringing them food, visiting them in the hospital, caring for their kids while they're out, caring for them when they're out of work, when they're doing these things. The people that are surrounding them, that are building them up, are all in their small group. It's all in their small group. They're caring for each other. That's what the church is supposed to look like. The best friends they find, they met at church because that's what the church is. The church is that group around you. Back to our text, verse 16. It says, and each part, so you're fitting together perfectly. You're experiencing Christ. You're fitting together, you're experiencing and relating with people. And now it says each part does its own special work. 
So question number three that you have to ask yourself is, am I using my gifts? Am I using my gifts? Is there a place for me to plug into? Because listen to me, you are necessary. You are separate and necessary to the body of Christ. Am I using my gifts? The Bible says this, 1 Peter chapter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. And the vast majority, though, of the church, and it's just a sad fact, is that most Christians don't know what those giftings are. Yes, a Christian, okay, what makes you unique? What has God gifted you with to help the body of Christ to serve others? Most of them will say, I don't know. And that's not your fault. That's my fault. The Bible talks about this, that the pastor's job is to shepherd and to train and to build up the body of Christ. And so we have this thing that we call discovery that we're passionate about. And it's supposed to help you find what your giftings and callings are. And we do it the first, second, and third week of every month where you can jump in and you can learn about how God designed you because we believe that design reveals destiny. We really believe that, that the way that God made you reveals the destiny that he has for you, that he equipped you to do the work. Because at Victory, we don't have people who volunteer because if we say volunteer, that just means that I manipulated you into doing something you didn't really want to do. I just manipulated it too. We have people who serve because that's their giftings and their callings. We ask, what has God put into your heart? What has God placed inside of you for the giftings and the callings? You want to know what God's plan is for your life? Because I don't have a plan for your life. That may shock some of you. I don't have this grand plan as the pastor of this church. I don't have this this grandiose thing that I'm trying to find people that I can plug into this plan that I have. No, God has called me to shepherd and to teach and to train the ones that God sends me. That's all I pray for is that God help me to help me just to train and to teach the ones that you send to this church. Because we ask that question, what has God put into your heart? What is God calling you to do? What thing is God calling you to do? What's your destiny in him? I'm telling you, life will get so much better if you let everyone else play the role that they're supposed to play. You play the role that you're supposed to play. And that's what the local church looks like. Verse 16 goes on to say, as you do that work, everyone else grows, helps the other parts. And so number four, am I growing spiritually? Not only am I using my gifts, but am I growing spiritually? Because it's one thing to say, man, I really love the presence of God and I really love that I'm connecting and I get to serve on a team and all my friends are there and, and I really, you know, I, I get to play on the worship team or I'm a greeter, or I'm whatever. But is there anything happening spiritually? Are you growing spiritually? Are you becoming a better mother or a better husband or a better father or, or a better employee or a better Christian? Are you better, like, are you need to grow spiritually? The Bible says in our text that it's a more and more like Christ kind of process. That as we're growing this spiritual community, it's a more and more like Christ process. I don't know if you realize this, but when you come to Christ, he forgives all of your sins. You're headed to heaven, but you're still a little messed up. You still got some issues. Come on, somebody. Just because you gave your life to Christ doesn't mean all your issues magically go away. There's still some things that Christ is going to work with you through. All the spouses are saying, amen, amen, brother. That's just, I'm just preaching the, preach the word. You still have wounds from your past. You've got bad behavior, sin addictions that Christ needs to break off of you. You've got all these things that you have to work on. And so then there's this process of becoming more and more like Christ. And by the way, it goes on the rest of our life. This process never ends where he makes us more and more like him. Changing us more and more from glory to glory. But let me show you how that happens. You can't do that on your own. You know that, right? You can't do it on your own. You can't be all God's called you to be if you're not in a group of believers. You can't do it all on your own. Because verse 15 is the first part of that verse. It says, we will speak the truth in love. It says, the way that you're growing more and more like Christ is you have people around you who are speaking the truth in love. In spiritual community. It has to happen in this environment of spiritual community. Because jot it down if you're taking notes today. Truth without love is brutality. But then love without truth is hypocrisy. And we need to understand the balance of that in the church. Listen to me. The American church is really great at playing to the base. We're really good at preaching to the base. We're really good about making a point. But we're really bad at making a difference. 
really good about playing back to the ones that already agree, preaching to the choir. And Jesus didn't come to make a point. He came to make a difference. He came to make a difference in life. And he actually, in order to make that difference, he actually confused a lot of the people who were following him because he started to get these labels as a drunkard or as a friend of sinners or a friend of tax collectors. And he started to get these things because he leaned in relationally to the people who differed from him the most theologically. He leaned in relationally to those people. And he got all these things they put on him. And oftentimes religion, though, skips that whole thing of what Jesus actually did. And it skips straight to truth without any love. And you're going to hell for that. And you can't do that. And you can't be there. And you don't have that. And you shouldn't do that. And you can't be that way. And you're just going to go to hell. And all of those things might be true. But it doesn't actually change people's lives. It just destroys people. When we start to speak the truth without any love, it destroys people. And some of you have been the subject of that abuse in your life. Where somebody who had no relational context to you at all, who had nothing, nothing to do with you, never even maybe seen them before in your life, decided to tell you everything that was wrong with your life. So I tell you everywhere that you're going wrong and everything that you needed to shape up on, and then they're out. Come on, somebody. We all need people around us who tell us there's something in our teeth, but you don't want it to be the stranger you just met. You don't want it to be, come on, you, so truth without love is just mean, it's brutality. But then in an attempt to overcorrect, we have this movement in America now that's just like, just love and everything, just everything's okay, and you just do what you want to do, man. We just love each other. You just go out and do anything you want, and you can, you can do whatever you want, live how you want, sleep with who you want, do whatever you want, and that's okay, and that's not okay either. There's a balance to this statement, and I want you to see you've got to come in from the fringes of it because we speak the truth in love. Because love without truth is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. I don't really love you if I don't warn you from killing yourself. Amen. Jennifer talked about this last Sunday night at the 21 Days of Prayer. That if I'm sitting at a table with a friend of mine and they're about to drink some poison and I'm just like, I love you. Just go on. They're going to do what they're going to do. Right. I'm just going to we're just all going to. No, no, that's not love. That's hypocrisy. I don't really love them. I'm going to say, dude, that thing is poison. You're going to die. That's what love is. Because I love him enough. I love him enough. Once a relationship is established. We got to love people in the context of relationship. And it's not on a stage trying to blast people for what they're doing or trying to trying to blast people out. That doesn't do anything to change people. It just destroys people. It just destroys. That's what the church should be like. Where we've established to make a difference. Well, then once we have that relationship, we can say, okay, you shouldn't do that. And that shouldn't be a part of your life. And you shouldn't say that. And you shouldn't go there. And you shouldn't sleep with them. And that shouldn't happen like that. Because I love you. And I don't care if you hate me for it. I love you enough to let you know. But it has to happen in the context of relationship. But a lot of us, we don't like that part of it because we just want to be blind to our issues. We want to be blind. We want to go to church. We want to experience the presence of God. And we want to have spiritual community. And we want to be in the thing. We want to serve and we want to be a part of these things. But we don't want anybody speaking to our garbage. We don't want anybody speaking to our issues because we say, you're not going to, you're not going to talk about my marriage. And you're not going to talk about my family. And you're not going to, we don't let anybody close enough to begin to talk about those things. We're saying, I'm my own man, and I make my own decisions, and you're not going to talk to me about that. I'm my own person. I can do where I want. I can do what I want, and that's fine because it's okay for me. And so then at this point, we got people that just pick up and decide, well, I'm just going to pick up, and I'm going to bounce to the next church because I just, you're not going to talk about that. And when they offend me, I'm going to bounce to the next church. I'm going to bounce to the next. I'm going to bounce. It's that this verse says that we're planted in the house, that we're planted in the house. You try to transplant a tree 52 times a year, that thing's going to die looking for a better place to be planted. We're planted in the house of God. I tell you what happens in our spiritual journey. We've got Christians that are drying up and withered and they're dead spiritually because they feel they're too good for any church. When in reality is what they need the most. That spiritual, spiritual community of believers is what they need the most. Because Proverbs 27, the Bible says it this way. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Can I tell you today that only your enemy tells you that you're great all the time? 
Only your enemy showers praise on you all the time. Only your enemy says that you are just the grand, the greatest thing that God ever gave to the earth all the time. Now, listen, you need people around you that encourage you. You need people around you that stand for you, that build you up, that help you along the way. But the Bible says wounds from a friend can be trusted because that's how we grow. That's how we continue to grow. Because you've got to have somebody who sees your blind spots. You've got to have somebody who sees that thing that you can't see, that's able to speak into your life. And if you exercise or you work out or you do CrossFit or whatever it is you do, you're all too acquainted with this principle of pain because you know what that pain does for your body. In fact, if you talk to anybody who trains their body, they'll tell you that they learn to love the pain because they know what it's doing. They learn, and actually a good workout, it's so amazing, they say that you have to go to like the dark place. When this pain just hits so badly, you just got to like, you just got to like disassociate your mind. When it starts to feel like you see Jesus coming, right? Like, is that you, Lord? That's a good workout. That's a good workout because they know what it's doing for their body. They begin addicted to the pain sometimes. They say, I need it every day because I know what it's developing in me. The problem is in our spiritual and relational lives, we don't crave that same kind of pain, even though it's what we probably need in order to grow. We don't crave because it's painful because we all have blind spots. We have places that we have to have somebody else say, you know what? You're kind of a jerk in that area. You know what? You really don't do what you say when you say it. You really you need to stop doing that. You need to stop saying that. And you're a little selfish. And those things are painful, but they can be trusted when they come from a friend, when it's spoken in love, when it's truth in love. It's how we grow. But too many of us have isolated ourselves. And we build up these walls relationally around ourselves. And we say, no one else is going to get close to me. And here's the principle I want you to grasp. I can tell you today that if no one else is close enough to hurt you, then nobody's close enough to help you. If you don't let people close enough that they are in that position where it potentially could hurt you, they're not close enough to help you. We've got to let the walls down and let people in. Some of us have isolated ourselves that we have actually stopped our spiritual growth because there's nobody there who can speak the truth in love. You're not growing and growing more and more like Christ because nobody's speaking the truth in love because you haven't allowed anybody close enough. It's what the church is supposed to look like. It's where God has called us to be. Back to our text one last time. It says this. We all do our own thing. We all along in our own thing, the special work. And it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You notice the shift here from the individual to the corporate now. We've been talking about me and, and what, I, you know, what I need to get out of the church and what I need to give and what I need to let my walls down. And now it shifts to the corporate where it says, as we all, the whole body, healthy, growing and full of love. And that's the body. When every one of us does our part, when every one of us does our part as part of the body of Christ, as whole, we learn and we live and we grow full of love. So number five, the last question we ask ourselves is, are we making a difference? Are we making a difference? If we're in the local church, we're all coming together to do this because are we doing something that actually makes a difference? Because this is important. Because you can be a part of a church where you experience the presence of God. And you connect with people and you serve and you give of yourself. And maybe you're even growing at some level, growing spiritually, and yet miss the whole point of the church because the church is supposed to be the tangible expression of Jesus Christ in the world. We're called to be that expression of Christ, that it's not for the Christian's benefit. The reason we do that is because Christ, when Jesus was leaving the earth, he got his 12 together and he told them, look, there's going to be power that comes upon you. There's going to be power that comes upon this amazing power. The Holy Spirit is going to fill your life. And you know what I want you to do? He didn't say, you know what I want you to do? I want you to just lay hands on each other and just kind of get alone together and just prophesy to each other and just soak it all in. Right. And just enjoy just being together and just just get really, really deep and just just let that be. That's not what he said. He said, as soon as that power that comes on you, as soon as it comes on you each week, you get that boost. You got to get up out of the church and get into the world because there's a world that's a world that's dying far away from Christ outside of these doors that you need to go into. And Christ calls us to make a difference in that world. He says, my heart is for them. Listen to me, church. It's not all about you. 
I didn't put that on the screens because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. It's not all about you. It's not all about the songs that we want to sing. It's not about the, the ministries that we have to have. It's not about the, the programs and the things that we just can't live without. It's not about us. It's about the church living together, each part doing its part so that we can reach the world and make disciples for Jesus. We're going to reach the world with the love of Christ because when we love the way that God has called us to love and we have marriages the way God has called us to have marriages and we raise our kids the way the Bible tells us to raise our kids and we live our lives as employees the way the Bible has instructed us to live our lives around others and we handle our finances the way the Bible instructs us as Jesus would want us to handle those. The world sees us and they say, I've got to have that in my life. The world sees that expression of Christ in the earth. When we are the arms and the feet and the hands of Jesus, when he sees that expression, they say, I've got to have that in my life. And the world takes notice and the whole body is growing and it's healthy and it's full of life. It's healthy and it's full of life. God didn't call us to get planted in the house so we could be in good spiritual environments just for our own sake. That we could just be in a great spiritual environment just so we could kumbaya with ourselves and just continue to go. Just us four and no more. He didn't do it like that. He makes us in a body of Christ so we can make a difference. Like the coral polyp. We can become part of something that's bigger than ourselves. We can be part of something that's greater than ourselves. So we can make a difference and give life to the world around us. We can give life to the world around us. If we grasp that concept, you'll experience the presence of God. You'll enter into the process that God has for you in your life. You'll have the right perspective because you're grounded in a local group of believers. A great local church. Every head bowed, every eye closed today with me. I want to just take a moment to pray that God would touch every person here that's skeptical. That's maybe cynical because you've been wounded by a local church or by leadership inside of a religious body. And maybe you've grown cold and callous and you pushed everyone else away because of that experience. And I want you to know the devil tries to use those past experiences to keep you from the life that God has for you in the church. That Jesus is the one that's calling you. That he loves you and we love you too. So I want to pray over you that you would have the strength to let those walls down. Not to live in isolation. Before we do that, I just want to pray with those of you who are far from God today. Because all of this happens. We get our relationships right. We get our, our relationship. We get everything right in our lives. It all happens because first we get our relationship with God right. We get our relationship with him. We experience the presence of God. We commit our lives to him. All of that happens. And you can do that this morning before we go. I just want to give you that opportunity. If you say, I know I'm far from God. I know I've run as far as I can get from him. He's calling you home. And I just want to pray with you this morning. I want you to know I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. We're not in this to embarrass you. Just want to connect you with Jesus. He's inviting you to be a part of his family. And I want you to know you do that with a prayer of surrender. So this morning with no one else looking around, every head bowed, I just want to give you that opportunity. And if you say, that's me, just one thing I want you to do, and that is across this room, if that's you, you say, include me in that prayer. I want to be close with God. If that's you, just stretch up your hand right now. Thank you in the back. Just be bold. Thank you. 
So anybody else, you want to join those two? Say, I want to pray that prayer. I want to be close to him. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. If you're watching online, you can pray along with us. The church, we're going to pray with them. I'm going to give you the words. But if you raise your hand, you want to pray that prayer, you've got to mean it with your heart. So come on, church, let's pray with them. Just close your eyes. Just say, dear Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins, of all my mistakes. Lord, I surrender to you. Come fill my life with your presence. Join me to other believers. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I thank you for every person here, God, every person who's watching online, Lord, whether a member of Victory or not, God, that today they would have a revelation of what the local church is all about. God, that you have called us to live as a community of believers, citizens of heaven, with one Lord, one God, as we follow after you, Lord. Help us to begin to grow in relationships. Help us to continue to experience the presence of God. Help us to connect with other people, Lord. Help us to grow spiritually. Let us use our callings in the church. Let's begin to change lives to make a difference. Lord, I pray over this church, God, that you would use us. Lord, as we go into September in our month of service, God, as we begin to serve the community around us, help us to be used as your body, as your hands and your feet. God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you love people like us. I thank you that you're still doing your work on this earth through your church. God, that it is the hope of the world that we can spread the love of Christ. Help us this week, Lord, as we begin to grow in community, we begin to grow closer together. Help us, Lord, to open up our hearts to be all that you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's church said, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for what God has done today?